Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I am super excited to have a new friend to the HR Like a Boss podcast, Monica Brown. Monica was referred to me by a prior guest and a colleague of mine at Willery. And I'm super excited, Monica, to have you on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here. All right. For those that are not as fortunate as me and my friend Jen of knowing you well, please let our audience know a little bit about who you are, what you're working on these days, and your passion for human resources. Sure. Well, I'm a longtime HR professional. I had my introduction to the field way, way back when I was a retail store manager right out of college. And I think retail gets a pretty bad rap from a lot of folks, but what retail does is really give you that amazing kind of business mindset set, set of skills. And what it also did was really show me that my, my passion was around the people management piece. And so it really helped me kind of narrow down my career and be able to pursue a career in HR where I have been in um, this space for 25 years now. So I'm currently the VP for human resources and building operations at the Cleveland Foundation. And for anyone that doesn't know the Cleveland Foundation, we are the oldest and first community foundation in the world and one of the largest. And uh, we grant out funds to the community through our nonprofit partners to really kind of enhance the lives of greater Clevelanders. Last year alone, we granted out $135 million to our partners to really kind of um, energize the community make changes that benefit people across education, economic development, workforce, arts and culture, um, you name it. But it was just a really stellar year for us last year. But the one thing I would say about the Cleveland Foundation and working in kind of a mission-driven organization is that it's an HR person's dream. It really allows you to kind of focus on people and mission and help them make that connection. But it also really gives me an opportunity to focus on my other passion, which is community service. So I just I just really have the best case all around with my position. Well, Monica, I think that our audience could learn so much from you. And in this story that we're going to talk about is, is heavily focused today, I know, from a, a recruiting perspective and some of the unique things that you're doing there at the Cleveland Foundation to bring in a diverse level of talent and provide them with unique opportunities. But I, I will pontificate and I want to dive into this subject for just one second. Yeah. The idea of what the work you're doing at the Cleveland Foundation really, it really hits on a key part of my book, HR Like a Boss, which is focused on making sure your organization and you and HR have a purposeful commitment. Mm -hmm. And in my study and research for writing the book and my passion for purpose, I found that most often HR professionals that work for nonprofits had the easiest time telling everyone inside of a room what the reason why they were working and what the unified mission of the organization was. And that was awesome. I love it. Yeah. When I when I talk with my nonprofit or my my for-profit partners in HR, 
they really struggle with what what is the meaning for the work that you're doing every single day and that purpose at your business. And so I'm I, one of my I'll just say my 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 big passions is helping for profit organizations get really clear on what their purpose is, make mm-hmm. sure it's it's clear to all employees, it's simple and direct, and that you can also then create charitable giving partners through that that you can align from a business perspective. So I I, I know this is like a little bit off script, but I'm so curious, like what recommendation would you have for a for-profit business that doesn't have that benefit of having mm-hmm. a foundational, sorry for the pun, aspect of their business that's around giving to the community? Yeah, I think in addition to finding ways to give back to the community, either formally or through, you know, making sure that your staff has an access to community service, whether it's through programs where you allow for paid time off to go out and serve the community, or you do it as an organization or as teams. So giving people that permission to have that kind of community service focus. But I think the other thing is, who are they serving? Even for-profits are serving somebody. There's an element of service to every organization. Um, And I think they need to think about the service to both their internal community and their clients or customers or or folks that, um, you know, why, why they exist. And making sure that people have that first and foremost in mind when they're doing their work and how even someone who's, I don't know, a receptionist or more in an administrative or a technological role understands how their role impacts kind of that service function and that ability to just inspire and motivate their clients to stay connected. I'm on this, this I'll call it just this, this passion for, I know physicians have the motto of do no harm. I think business professionals should have the motto of do good. And I think as a result, do good for their employees, do good for their business, do good yeah. for the community. Anyway, Agreed. we're here to talk about you and some of the other cool things you're doing at the Cleveland Foundation. Monica, thank you for allowing me to maybe redirect our conversation a bit because my first question for all guests is supposed to be how would you describe the purpose of human resources so i'm so curious what your response will be to that monica i think the purpose of human resources is really to ensure that the power behind the mission and strategy whether it's for profit or nonprofit, of an organization and by the power i mean the people you can't be successful without the people um are are really engaged and supported in a way that considers them as both um, people, so individuals and professionals, and that they're able to see how their contributions contribute to the overall success of the organization. And I think, you know, in doing that, the other part of human resources is really cultivating an environment where people do feel that connection to the mission and strategy, and that they feel both supported personally and professionally, challenged in their roles and, and recognized for their work too. Yeah, that's cool. No, I, I love that. It's really great. I think it's it's such an important element of just making sure I know what my role is and what yeah. impact it has on our organization, whether it's for-profit or nonprofit. Yeah. I know one of the, the key parts, Monica, that you're really passionate about is this uh, in, the importance of inclusive and equitable recruiting. And I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. from your perspective, how how would you suggest to our listeners that they take that approach in helping them identify and attract and develop a diverse set of candidates to then eventually work at their company and become a big part of their mission-based organization? Sure. I think speaking specifically for the Cleveland Foundation, as you can imagine, it's 
pretty critical that we have a team that represents the amazing diversity of kind of that greater Cleveland community that we serve. So we, we understand the impacts our grant making makes on um, various constituents and the ultimate beneficiaries of our work. I think the other thing though is um, it takes intentionality. And so when you really want to have an inclusive and equitable recruiting kind of platform or program, you have to be intentional about it. And it takes work. It's not just about posting on Indeed and putting a small, you know, we're an equal opportunity employer statement on your posting and, and hoping that it sticks. So I'd say there's probably three areas I would recommend people look at first. And the first would be your posting period and your recruiting practices. So are you creating unnecessary barriers for diverse candidates to apply? Um, what's the language you're using in your posting? Uh, what requirements are you including? We found this to be a really big one and we no longer say, unless it's a really specific position like I'll say um, director of investments or something like that. We are now using language that say degrees welcome instead of degrees required. I think I can speak for myself when I say just because I have a master's degree doesn't mean I needed it to be successful in my role. I, I didn't, if I'm being honest. Um, and, and I know this is going to sting, but even the HR credentials that many of us have, I could be successful in this role without them. It's just a way that to show that I, I keep up on my kind of skill set. I think sharing pay ranges is very important for pay equity purposes. And then talking about your mission around diversity, equity, and inclusion when you share an opportunity across different kind of recruiting platforms is very important. Let people know that you're serious about it and that you are encouraging people to apply. So I think, um, and I listened to a couple of your podcasts and I heard the word potential many times across a lot of my HR peers in the profession. But aside from the actual attraction part, you do have to change your mindset to look for potential versus just a specific skill set or a set of skills that maybe somebody already has on the team that has helped them be successful. And, you know, focusing, we're trying to have our managers stop using the word culture fit and change it to culture ad. So it's really a mindset that we're trying to, to kind of change and, and bring up to the current times so that people are open-minded going into recruits. Because I just, you know, so often managers look at a review and they say, or a resume, and they say, this person has exactly what I need. And oh, look, we went to the same college and we have so much in common, but they're really not adding diversity to their team when they do that. And so the third thing is really working with your hiring managers. So they're on the front lines. They're the ultimate decision makers for these positions. And, you know, how, helping them see that an inclusive process and a diverse pool of candidates is really going to help them as well, particularly in the work that we do with donors and grantees in the community. And so we spend a lot of time with our hiring managers. We sit in all of the facets of our recruiting process so that we can help them along and say, but do you think about this? And what about this person's background in community service? You know, that really shows leadership and some of the things that maybe the position that they're in wouldn't necessarily show. And so we have some really great partnerships across the foundation, and we've really seen a difference and gotten some traction in the way that we do recruiting. 
I love the specificity of your answer and providing suggestions and ideas. I think it's really great, Monica. I think that the only way that you make meaningful change is being clear and direct and your your use of the word intentional is, is really, really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Now, from a from a long-term vision perspective, this this partnerships and engagement becomes so incredibly necessary in building that talent pipeline. I'm curious of suggestion that you've seen or things that you're doing at the Cleveland Foundation to drive those those improved talent pipelines with the diverse level yeah. of candidates? I think you need to be organized first and how you're going to define and build out your talent pipeline. So thinking about from the candidate perspective, we're fortunate to have kind of a, a platform that we use that allows us, you know, even if we don't hire someone or someone's not right for a particular role, they may be right for a different role or an upcoming role or a role that's filled now but may be open in the future. And so we use that talent pipeline, that system to really um, have a robust, um, I guess, group of individuals that we are constantly keeping in the back of our mind. And we watch them in the community too and see what they're doing and where they're going and what boards they sit on and, and what exciting things they're doing in their career. But the thing that has really helped us the most, I think, is really building very strong relationships with organizations in town that promote the success for the many diverse communities we have in Northeast Ohio. And so, you know, organizations like the, I'm giving a bunch of plugs, everybody's going to owe me, the LGBT Center in Cleveland, Youth Opportunities Unlimited, um, the Urban League is another partner, Esperanza, Young Latino Network, um, Another one we've gotten really close with and really connected to other nonprofits as well is Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities. That's always so hard for me to say. They go by OOD, which is much easier. Mm -hmm. And then Global Cleveland is another great resource for international talent. And so instead of just shooting them random job postings, we've really made it a point for them to get to know us for us to get to know them and to really start building that partnership so that we can get the word out to more diverse communities that wouldn't necessarily go to Indeed or our website for our job postings. And I think, you know, when people see that we lead with DEI and we want a team that does as well, I think it makes a big difference. Now, I'm going to tell you what, fans of the show who know me and know Willery's commitment to our purpose and our charitable partner is Youth Opportunities Unlimited, YOU, they're going to yes. think I teed up Monica to say that, but I did not, I promise. And I'm so <laughs> excited that they, along with all those other great nonprofit organizations and ones that you're bringing those unique partnerships with to, to drive talent inside of your organization and others within yeah. The, the four walls of Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. I think that's fantastic. So awesome. Thank you so much, Monica. I'm going to take a quick minute sure. to do a plug for Willery, who's been our longtime sponsor for the HR Like a Boss podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting the staffing needs of our mid-sized clients, along with providing a unique client-side HR technology practice. So if you're struggling to find talent within your HR and payroll team, or you're not getting the return on your investment with your HR technology, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, Monica, back to what people care about, which is you and your great insights as it relates to human resources. 
uh, one of the key, key points as we continue on this idea of partnerships is the importance of HR building those internally. And I'm curious how you've seen that evolve in your time at Cleveland Foundation, as well as in prior stops within your career. Yeah, it's evolved a lot in my, I guess, 17 years with the Cleveland Foundation. Um, we, we used to be told that many years ago that we were a very reactive kind of group and just kind of they only heard from HR when something was wrong or they had a payroll issue or something like that. And that's, that's terrible, right? And so I think now if you ask the different partners across the, the organization, they would say they call us honorary team members in, in all of the teams because we spend so much time with them. So, you know, the point of all of that is if you're if your team members, your colleagues, your department heads don't feel that you understand them and their work and their needs, it's it doesn't really build the trust that you need to have those successful partnerships. So we regularly attend other teams meetings just to be there and, and learn and listen and ask questions. It's funny, every time people see an HR person, they instantly think of all the questions they've been meaning to ask you that they, they don't just pick up the phone and ask. So it's a great way for us to be there and stay connected. Um, we do a lot of touch points throughout the year with staff and teams, and then we highlight their work at our all staff meetings as well. So just, just a couple examples there, but that's just the HR team. So the other teams that we've really built strong partnerships with and have really helped us be successful are um, one, I would say is our marketing team, but kind of those other service functions across the organization. They've really helped us build a really nice employer brand and an employee communications platform um, that we wouldn't have we wouldn't have done. We wouldn't have thought of all these creative things on our own. And you know, our IT team builds specific apps based on our needs and what we want people to have easy access to. And it's really made a difference, especially since the pandemic and helping people stay connected, not just to us and each other, but to our tools and resources across the organization. And then the other partnership I would say is really key is with um, the finance team. I think that pretty much goes without saying when you think of all the connections between HR and finance. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious in those internal partnerships you have, you mentioned several departments there. When yeah. when a hiring manager is struggling to find talent because they're, the, the numbers just are, are outweighed in the fact that the number of jobs that are out there as it relates to qualified talent. So what, what are you doing creatively there at the Cleveland mm -hmm. Foundation to support those hiring managers to find the right fit for the jobs that need to be filled and, and getting that right uh, cultural connection to your organization? Yeah, we've gotten really creative. I mean, aside from kind of the obvious use of staffing agencies when we're really struggling or even consultants to get us through more short-term kind of needs a year or two, um, the one thing that I think people overlook a lot are interns. And you probably know some of this just from working with YOU and their great work, but students today are incredible. And the skills and perspectives they have to offer in addition to their savviness with technology should not be overlooked. You know, I think a lot of times people think of interns as someone to help with admin things, and that's, that's just, you're just so not using the talent there. And so we've really partnered with organizations like Cuyahoga Community College and our four-year institutions, not just with the career services teams, which are wonderful, but with specific faculty who are focused on um, academic careers where students might kind of fit the bill for some of our job openings. And so a lot of times you have to be creative and think, well, could I hire this senior part-time 
while he or she finishes her degree and then bring them on full time. And so just being creative in that area, we recently did this with an investment analyst position where I think we had that position open for five or six months and it was just really becoming difficult for the team. And so we did just that. We partnered with Cleveland State and a couple other colleges and ended up getting a student who was a senior. And for the first six months of months of his job, he was very part-time, 15 hours a week, but he was there enough to learn and grow so that he hit the ground running when he graduated this past June. So that's just an example of being creative. And again, I'm gonna give a shout out to all our community partners again. Don't forget about international talent. A lot of times people shy away from international talent, and we have a lot of it here in Cleveland because they're terrified of the visa process. I've been through it. It's not that bad. Once you go through it once, you get it. And it's really just a lot of waiting, paperwork and waiting. It's not as complex as people think. And folks at Global Cleveland are there to handhold employers through the process. So a lot of resources there. Um, be creative in thinking about who can really fill some of your maybe entry-level roles, Youth Opportunities Unlimited serves opportunity youth, I mean, age 14 through 24, and they do a lot of the training as well. And so, you know, maybe you can have a receptionist that is kind of a in that opportunity youth range or somebody that can really help at least short-term with some of your job openings. And then on the other end of the intern and youth spectrum are Encore folks. And so there are a lot of programs dedicated to Encore um, encore candidates, I guess you'd call them. We fund several of them, and it's not a plug for the Cleveland Foundation. There are many more, but um, these are retired professionals, and particularly for your nonprofit listeners, um, they are dedicated to just continuing to use their skills and be useful and share their talent back in a way that is meaningful to them, even though they're retired. And these can be done on a temporary basis or long-term. Um, it's just a really great untapped resource. But the point of all my rambling is you really have to be creative and intentional about it and just be open to ideas and helping your hiring managers think about ideas that, you know, maybe aren't so appealing at first, but are really great once you kind of just relax and, and are open to those different different avenues for hiring. Yeah, no, I, the real life story just promoted to director of sales at an employee in our firm, Bob Haas, who started off as an intern for me many, many <laughs> years ago, and another business that I have that that converted into an opportunity at Willery, which is really cool to see. And I own another business that we do a lot of uh, fractional sales management support, and we talk with okay. Encore sales executives that are that are retired but don't want to be retired fully, and and then. Yeah. That expertise they have, and I can say it myself, the gray hair and experience that they show, <laughs> it's of great value to our clients, and they also find some really unique opportunities for themselves. So definitely those creative ways of looking at it are, are is really cool, and thanks for sharing that, Monica. I'm going to oh, get you out of sure. here on this. My last okay. question is all about HR Like a Boss. The podcast you're on is called HR Like a Boss. The impending book in June of 2023 from Sherm Books called HR Like a Boss. And so I'm just so curious what you think is the definition of someone that does HR Like a Boss. I initially thought of something really funny when I read this question that I saw online, and it was the definition of HR. 
and it had the, the, the noun human resource and beside it, it said professional babysitter, but that's not really doing HR like a boss. It's just sometimes you feel like that when you're in HR, but I really think that you have to be someone that can diplomatically navigate that delicate balance between individual and organizational needs. I think you have to be people-centric and lead with empathy and really inspire others to do so. You know, personalities can be interesting and they're also diverse across an organization, but really wearing that empathy hat and helping other people do so can um, really cultivate a really great culture at an organization. And I think, you know, someone that values relationships and trust building and is really good at it, because um, all the other things we can be trained on, right? Payroll, COBRA, compliance, um, you know, enrolling somebody in benefits, those are things you just learn on the job. But that people-centric focus and leading with empathy, that you have to bring that to the table. So I think, I think that's how you do HR like a boss. I feel like you already read the book, Monica. Uh -oh. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. One of the key attributes inside of the book is besides purposeful commitment is being people centric. And you, you talked about relationships and trustworthiness. Yeah. I loved how you use that word of, of being able to delegate between individual and organizational needs. I thought that yeah. was really an articulate way of how to describe how HR has to be the balance between those two sometimes conflicting, but should be ultimately aligned yeah. uh, organization and individual. You also talked about some creative strategies from a recruiting standpoint to uh, re-dust re off or look at the, your internship programs as a way to bring in that talent, that youthful, less experienced talent that has maybe some advantages over some of the more senior tenured individuals inside of your organization. And then as well, looking at that encore professional who's retired and looking to give back into the community in some form or fashion, all those years of experience they've had in their professional career. You also, we talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the, the recruiting and development strategies around that at your organization, and use the word intentional, the intentionality around ensuring that you're doing those things with a, the approach that's going to drive results for your organization and going to have a meaningful difference in your community. And then you answer the question of the purpose of HR of the power, it's the power and the mission and purpose that being your people and that they're engaged and they understand how their contribution contributes to the overall well-being of the organization. Monica, home run, great job. <laughs> you were amazingly awesome on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review. Or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.